Back in Cineloom, four kids. Mm. <laughs> Back in Cineloom, four kids doesn't exist. Um. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Magic Wings Clubhouse, a podcast where two best friends get together and recap every episode of the Italian Magical Girl series, Wings Club. I'm Brendan, Fairy of the Surging Sea. And I'm Tess, Fairy of the Rolling Stones. Today, finally, we are watching Season 2, Episode 1, The Shadow Phoenix. This title is the same as the original Italian. The original episode aired on April 19th, 2005. The Four Kids dub title is Back to School and aired <laughs> September 10th of 2005. So, actually around back to school time. Hey, that, that's fancy. So this has been a long time coming, but we're going to have to draw it out a little bit more because I do believe we have a listener question. We do, we do have a listener question. Oh, uh, real quick. If there's any audio weirdnesses with me right now, I'm at my parents' house and my brother gave me a gaming headset to use. My rig is at home. <laughs> We're just making it work. Okay, um, our listener question comes from at, oh god, at Amutadase6 on Twitter. Uh, display name, Jenny Kim Fan Official. Hello. Uh, their question is, how does Aisha's appearance feel like? Do we easily trust her, or does she seem a little untrustworthy in the beginning? So, I I like the sentiment behind this question, but I, unfortunately, I just have to say that we haven't seen her interact with any of the other girls yet. And she, uh, just a full spoiler for this episode, she will not interact with the other girls. Aside uh, from she, passing the actual hell out. Yeah, aside from uh, a short appearance at the end. So for now, I can't really say. I do think it's a little weird to have a girl just stumble out of the woods and into your life. But who is holding it a small baby? Uh, really, that's all I have to say on the matter is I think it's a little too early to tell, but it is kind of odd how she appears. And she is, you know, tired, fallen down, way cleaner than you'd anticipate her being, but this is a TV show, so whatever. It's a TV show for kids, so she can't have blood on her. Um, Blood, ew, viscera. Are we ready to get started with the actual episode? I'm going to say yes. So let's go. So our episode begins much like Kingdom Hearts 2. <laughs> We're in a new setting. We're in a new setting with a new focus character and absolutely zero context. In uh, in Cineloom. Yeah, in the original Italian, it starts this way. Um, in Four Kids, it starts later. So we're in this kind of like He-Man playset that is this huge castle made out of stalagmites. 
stalactites, I'm sorry, they hang from the ceiling. Um, what did you think of this castle set? Because we're going to be seeing it a lot this season. <laughs> it's the, um, it's the cloud tower of this season. Uh, yeah, kinda. It's the bad guy lair. Yeah. Um, it looks neat. It's really brown, but it's underwater, so like it's underground, so I guess that works. Yeah, and it's carved directly into the cave. Uh, so it is at this point that we finally get to see cartoon Aisha hamhorn noise. So Aisha is free climbing up the side of this castle uh, without any gear. And once she reaches this kind of like balcony thing, uh, she has to do the Assassin's Creed thing where you wait for the guard to walk by and then pull yourself up because there's this like kind of like long neck dinosaur looking shadow that passes by. I don't like these things. And uh, she overhears some talking and she follows it to energy cages that are full of our new toy line feature, the Pixies. Oh, God, the Pixies. So the Pixies are going to be minor characters throughout the season. Um, I shouldn't say minor, because they do feature kind of heavily into the main plot line of this season, but... <laughs> and then, like Roxy, they go away forever. Actually, they stick around in season three, and in season four, they get replaced. So for the rest of the originally planned show, they stick around. That's nice. Uh, so we are mainly concerned with six of these pixies. Uh, their names are Locket, Chatta, Amore, Digit, Toon, and Piff. All of these characters do eventually get their own spinoff series called Pop Pixie, which we will not be covering, even though it shares technically universe, because none of the actual main Wing Club characters show up on it. It's just entirely the Pixies. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to hear an entire show where they're all voiced by Navi from friggin' Legend of Zelda. They, the the voice acting in the Cineloom, they all universally went for these, like, high-pitched, tiny creature deliveries. And I in the Four no Kids dub, it's saying. a little bit more diverse as far as voice types go. In Cineloom, they all sound like tiny in four kids they all sound like someone doing their best rugrats impersonation yeah so i guess you just kind of got to pick your poison when it comes to that unlike kiko these pixies are completely capable of full-on human speech despite me not being able to understand what they're saying and chatta lives up to her name by rattling off her latest escape plan to the others which amore specifically calls out as being the 50th plan she comes up with Um, real quick, in, um, in Four Kids, this is, like, in the middle of, like, they cut this entire first bit up into little bite-sized chunks and shove it in with the rest of the episode, like, mixing it up. Aisha squeezes through the Tomb Raider gap in the room, and the Pixies panic about being caught before they realize it's just her. Really funny, they panic because they hear a noise, and it cuts, and Aisha's just laying on the floor prone. She's she's down. And then about a few seconds later, she walks spookily out of the shadows. Yeah. 
the Pixies are grateful to see her, her, and there's some expository dialogue about how they were all captured by the Phoenix before they were separated. Jean Grey is back to her old tricks. <laughs> um, Aisha is particularly worried about Piff, who is referred to as her bonded pixie. Unlike the others, Piff is very visibly coded as baby, with roughly old-timey baby outfit. Um, r- real quick, does this tiny Stella fairy have a belly button piercing? Uh, the one with the twin tails? Yeah. I do not believe she does, no. Because it, it looks, like, very sparkly. It, oh god, is her, gem, is her belly button a gemstone? Is she a troll? <laughs> they're not just pixies, they're also troll dolls. They're treasure oh, trolls. No. Oh no! Uh, Piff gets woken up by Toon and loses her marbles when she sees Aisha, babbling all excitedly as babies tend to do. This is translated by Digit as her being glad to see Aisha. In the four kids version, Digit says she wants to get ice cream. Because apparently Piff gets hungry after a good nap. I mean, same. <laughs> uh, Digit is the same kind of smart as Tecna is, and they both just kind of point out the obvious. Kids show smart, where you just say obvious things. And everyone acts like it's a grand revelation. We'll see a little bit of that later. Fun fact here. uh, In Pop Pixie, Digit gets referred to with masculine pronouns. Transmask? Hell yeah. Yeah, so... um, This is... It's a... It's spinoff only. So I don't know how we're going to refer to Digit moving forward. I feel like they could be a safe bet, but... Yeah, it could. Um, So, Aisha is too drained to brute force the pixies out of their trap. But since Lockett, uh, as her name says, she knows what doors are and what locks are. (laughs) So, she points out the exact, like, gargoyle in the room that controls the barrier. So, Aisha shoots that. And uh, it like wipes it wipes her out pretty bad, and the pixies have their wings covered in tar so they can't fly. That's which means Aisha, mean. which means Aisha is going to have to hand carry them since they are very small and could not walk. Someone needs a backpack. And since she's got her hands full, Aisha can't climb, which means they're going to have to try and find the front door. It's worth noting that while she carries the pixies, um, Piff kind of climbs up her arm and settles into the hood of her sweatshirt. I am now headcanoning that Piff is part cat. (laughs) She's a baby who can fly. (laughs) Yeah, a cat. This was kind of cute. Um, yeah, since Aisha can't catch a break, she doesn't realize she's being spied on by the Phoenix, who looks like, um, a guy in some World of Warcraft Dark Knight gear. Like, that that all cost him, like, four dollars. 
in real money his- so he could buy it in the in the game. Yeah. Um his armor is red, covered in spikes, and he has a big strips of tattered gauze hanging from his back like a cape. And um he doesn't really have a middle, it's just a spine. Yeah, he looks super cool. This is a really cool villain design. Yeah, it's like they're making um, up for the tricks just having jumpsuits by like saying, "Here, here's a here's a lich, kids, have fun." <laughs> this guy goes um, to the same uh armor store as Hordak, not Skeletor, but Hordak. <laughs> Um, in order to stop Aisha from escaping, he conjures up some shadow monsters, uh, a porcupiney one, a xenomorph, and um, one that you lovingly refer to as a long-necked dinosaur with sharp teeth, because I would have said something completely different. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Littlefoot, but if Littlefoot was evil. See, I read it as uh, Mara from Persona. Okay, it kind of looks like a dick, but it's not. <laughs> It's a lizard. It's Um, just a lizard. He he tells them that while he needs the pixies alive, they can do whatever the hell they want to Aisha. Um, Side note here. uh, We do consistently refer to her as Aisha, even though both the English and Sinaloom dubs call her Layla. Uh, for more reason on that, please refer to our episode about the Dutch stage show, where we officially make the executive decision that she is always going to be referred to as Aisha, regardless of what the source calls her. Since her name was changed due to uh, copyright issues internationally. Thanks, Neopets! It also might have something to do with Power Rangers. I'm not 100% sure. But they also could have just lost that trademark by this point, since Aisha stopped showing up in Power Rangers Zio. Uh, let's just ship her the fuck off to Africa. And send a little girl from Africa in the past to the present day, so she's the same age as all the other rangers. And um, she just kind of exists. We don't explain uh, how or who with. She just is. Anyhow... So speaking of Aisha, uh, she busts. Uh, she busts through a set of double doors that uh, are on the main level of the castle, per digits analysis. Uh, and this has an exit that presumably will lead them to some way to get above ground. Uh, she tries to uh, do a more specific analysis where the exit is with her data glove. But the power craps out on it before she can get a result, because the pixie's magic is being actively drained. So they are then cornered by the shadow monsters, and Longneck does the most vile thing. No. No. And just spits a loogie at him. No. No, no. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. (laughs) Yeah, the Uh, uh, Longneck monster types... Inherent power is super spit. They just hurl these um, big old globs of sticky stuff. Uh, As we've previously mentioned, Tess is highly averse to all forms of goo, sludge, and slime. So this is a nightmare for her. Uh, In 4Kids, 
Um, I think Lockett, because again, I did not catch any of their names. Are they are there the names even said aside from Piff? Yeah, I I have named all of them for sake of simplicity. Oh, thank God. Um, in Four Kids, Lockett actually says that there is a portal out of there where they are heading. And then Digit senses danger or something like that. Uh, Aisha gets knocked over by the super loogie, but she she recovers and tries to, you know, scarp her on out of there. But, and uh, doing so, she manages to get Xenomorph trapped in one of Longneck's loogies. And then she does like a dive between Porcupine and Longneck, so they destroy each other with their attacks. Aisha's really cool, guys. She is. She's she's the athletic one. That's she her does character. Super cool flippy flips. Um. So she books it down the hall, and there is a moment where it looks like they finally made it to the bridge away from the castle, only for the phoenix to swoop down in beast mode. It turns back into a uh, human form and demands that Aisha hand over the pixies. She refuses. And then uh, the phoenix, like, hits her with a blast, a blast of magic to knock her away, traps the pixies in an energy bubble, and grows the claws on one of his hands into Freddy Cougar knives and goes in for the kill. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Aisha has enough MP left to summon up a little bit of a shield and uh the phoenix is genuinely a little bit impressed that she can keep fighting when she's this exhausted but not impressed enough to spare her because he uses shadows to like pick her up and throw her off the edge of the castle uh memento mori by our dolls memento mori by our dolls and aisha will survive um i do believe in fairies i do i do uh, sorry, I have to go watch the sixth grade play. Nobody clapped last year and Tinkerbell died. <laughs> they gave this villain the most cringy dialogue in four kids. It's very 2005. Oh, 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 he sucks. I hate four kids. Um, They actually do name him in four kids. Yes, Lord Darkar, which is his proper name. I hate Four Kids Dark Car. Um, I just think calling him the Phoenix is kind of cooler. Uh, but it sounds it sounds like a superhero. Yeah, he's he's a super villain for all intents and purposes. And uh, actually, in the uh, supercut special of season two that Nickelodeon did, he is never actually called Lord Darkar. He is only referred to as the Shadow Phoenix. Oh, the Shadow Phoenix. Ooh, that's such a good name. Yeah, uh, we will get into why he is the Shadow Phoenix and what that means a little bit later on when we have more of an explanation for him. Meanwhile, at Althea. Yeah, this is the first time we've seen Althea this season, and it's been like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's about halfway through the episode. First half of the episode, all Aisha flippy flips. I would watch a full show of Aisha doing flippy flips. In a nice touch of continuity, the tower that got destroyed last season is covered by a tarp. Bloom wanders onto set, supposedly missing her cue, and remarks how good everything looks. 
And the school is preparing for an event of some kind, the start of term, perhaps? It's Yeah, this is confirmed. <laughs> they're get they're setting up for the uh term start party. It is yeah, it's a party. My first note for this scene is a fing Kiko. I did not miss this rabbit. No, no, the Fate the Wink saga did good by getting rid of the rabbit. He maintains the ability to fly. Uh Tecna's busy doing some logistics logistical work, and Musa is doing a sound check on a stage that's been set up. So Bloom goes inside to fly to find Flora. I'm keeping that. <laughs> Who is doing, you guessed it, floral arrangements? Yay, Tecna and um, Flora are back. Oh, <laughs> we missed you funky lesbians. <laughs> it's a shame neither of you get much to do this episode. Um, oh, um, real quick. And this is where four, the four kids episode starts. The opening full on spoils Aisha joining the club and her fairy form. Oh, well, of course. Uh, and instead of, you know, getting ready for a beginning of term party. It, they're just doing stuff. They're just... I bet this year is gonna be awesome. Techno, what do you think? I predict a 100% chance of fun. Awesome! Thanks. And Musa uh, isn't Musa, just... Musa went on tour? She went on the wizard tour, which I'm pretty sure is warp tour. Uh, that sax riff she did was from the improv realm, so I guess she did know some jazz. Know any jazz? Um, um, Flora in Four Kids is working on aromagic therapy, and the flowers change your mood. Yeah, it's a bad aromatherapy joke because she's a hippie. Um, Bloom offers to help Flora in, you know, Sinaloom, but Flora is doing well on her own because. This is her element. Back off. So Bloom goes off to find Stella. And Stella is so busy tearing apart her closet back in the suite, looking for an outfit to wear for the evening, she almost doesn't notice Bloom coming in. In Four Kids, Bloom says Stella is stressed about the party, and Flora offers some gladioli happiensis, which is great for relieving tension. Gladioli are a real thing. Uh... I know this because of Final Fantasy XV. Um, so gladioli are, um, they're a type of lily. That's a real part of the thing. Uh, Happyensis is uh, nonsense, but gladiolus is at least a real flower. She's offering to give Stella some weed. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pakinson looms. Stella does actually want Bloom's help, but Bloom points out that Stella is the one with the eye for fashion. And she'll look good no matter what she puts on. Since Stella is just having a drama moment, Bloom leaves and goes to find somewhere else to focus her energy. Um, also in Four Kids, uh, it was mentioned that Stella spent her summer interning with a magazine, which I take to mean uh, Stella lived in the Fairy Wears Prada for a month. <laughs> uh, teen Fairy. Are you wearing the... You know how to finish that quote, right? No, I've never seen The Devil Wears Prada. It's a meme. It's the, the Chanel boots. 
you know, I was going to say Chanel blue boots. And uh, what is contributing to Stella's freakout is she can't keep track of everything that happened over the summer fashion-wise, so she can't remember what is actually fashionable anymore. Bloom says, oh, just wear that little black dress, and she's like, but I think green is the new black, or is it lavender? I don't know anymore. And then Bloom leaves. (laughs) So, Bloom is just kind of walking down the hallway, and reasons that if she can't help anybody she might as well eat which is a mood but she gets distracted by the sight of something like moving around a corner really fast like a horror movie does except (laughs) instead of a spooky ghost it's a uh, seahorse it's a flying seahorse with wings and for kids it's a fortune fly and if she catches the fortune fly it'll tell her her fortune See, at least the the four kids dub tried to give her a reason for chasing after this thing. Because in Cineloom, Bloom just thinks it's cute and wants to pet it. <laughs> Wait, but it's a it's a seahorse with wings. Is it cute? I think it's kind of cute. It's a little seahorse, Bubby. I mean, yes, it's cute. But have you seen a seahorse? I feel like outside of water, they'd be kind of hideous. And it's got big old cartoon eyes. It's fine. Oh, okay. And they glow. Um, so the seahorse has its own little magic powers and uh, wraps Bloom up in a rug while it flies away. And when Bloom comes out of the carpet, she is in a part of Alfia that she doesn't really recognize. It all she looks knows, the like, same. The- yeah, it's all a playset. The best she can figure is that she's somewhere in the southeast or southwest. What south whatever. Not somewhere <laughs> that she should be. And I was actually grateful for the way the four kids clutched this. Cause I think it would have made more sense if these were just regular mirrors, but apparently they're magic mirrors that reflect reality as it truly is. Or something. Uh, but there are mirrors on this hallway, and one of them shows a door that is not physically there. Uh, so Bloom does the obvious thing that makes this security measure absolutely worthless. (laughs) And, um, opens the secret door. And inside is a Beauty and the Beast library. There's something there that wasn't there before. It's a door. (laughs) Bloom is is immediately set upon by a pixie in a little blue dress with a fancy hat who asks what Bloom has to say for herself as though she's in trouble. Bloom has no idea where she is, but the pixie is still berating her for harassing the seahorse, which is apparently the pixie's assistant, and for breaking into the Althea super-secret magical archive that no one is supposed to know about. Uh, Counterpoint, if, if it if it was so secret and forbidden, why is it hidden behind a first-level platformer puzzle? <laughs> uh, after realizing that Bloom didn't do this on purpose, the pixie introduces herself. This is Concorda, keeper of the archive, who answers to Farragonda. Bloom asks if she should leave, because the archive is apparently off-limits to students. 
But instead, we get a really clunky explanation as about what a pixie is, because Bloom, and therefore the audience, have no context for what this is. In Four Kids, Concorda just reads the script. Yeah, uh, she is a famous psychic who teaches psychic classes and does, like, special seminars and stuff, which... Okay. (laughs) I guess. Oh, this is going to happen, and this is how many friends you have, and this is your boyfriend, and this is what's going to happen later in the season. Like, someone gave her the show Bible and told her to fuck off. Hmm. Uh, Concorda has a copy of the script. It's cool. Uh, Concorda explains that pixies are magical beings who assist fairies in fighting evil and performing spells, and in some cases, become inseparably bonded to specific fairies. I wonder what's going to happen. Bloom wishes that she had a pixie pal of her own. Again, uh, keep that in your pocket. And asks if Concorda is bonded to Farragonda. Concorda specifies that she is bonded to the archives themselves, and she is kept company by her two pixie pets, the seahorse and a little pink raccoon. By our playsets and toys. Bloom is distracted from this particular brand of whimsy, however, by the realization that, oh no, she's gonna be late to the beginning of term party! Uh, Concorda tells her to scoot, and we fade into the next scene. The other four Wanks girls are in, um, see, I call them party get-ups in my notes, but Flora is just in her new casual civilian outfit. And Musa is wearing something horrible. And Musa's in a, it's, it's culturally appropriative, but at the same time, it's ugly. (laughs) Because doesn't it have, like, those kind of Chongsam style side snaps? (laughs) It has those, it also has poofy shoulders, but it's not just a t-shirt. There's a long sleeve shirt underneath it, and it's hideous. It's 2005. We were very big on layering things weirdly. Um, also, uh, Flora's in the same outfit that she wore in the musical, which is that, um, it's got, like, the drapey kind of sleeves, and ties off at the bottom of the top and then she's got like the like the hip hugger jeans with the daisies on them it's honestly a really cute look Stella's outfit also isn't that good um Techna looks like she just forgot to put some stuff on Stella's outfit is funny to me because it looks like somebody saw her season one outfit and then like censored it by coloring in the midriff (laughs) and then putting some pants on under it and it's all lilac oh not a very good focus color so i guess i guess lavender is the new black uh techna is in a y2k cyberpunk look it looks like she for like she took bits of her original outfit and just put them in other places she has one sleeve it's oh <laughs> it's not a sleeve i guess it kind of is but it's like it's not connected to the top it is an independent sleeve that matches the top 
but it's in that real Y2K, like, uh, lilac, light purple, and silver. She looks like a purple iMac. (laughs) We're living in the future, folks. Man, I can't wait to see Tecna and uh, Muse's room that's full of blow-up furniture. Oh, no. That's not good. (laughs) Musa probably has a spike belt. Tecna has a uh, clear purple Game Boy Advance. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Of course. Clear clear plastic everything. (laughs) Everything is clear in the future. That plastic is so brittle. Uh, Bloom wanders up in her party outfit, and it's a really cute outfit that she kind of wears sometimes as her civilian look for season two. Sometimes it switches with her, uh, like, her argyle sweater crop top. This is a striped short-sleeve crop sweater that's blue and white and has some little gold hearts on it, like her fairy outfit. And then she's got, like, a denim skirt that's roughly, because it's 2005. <laughs> and she's got a pair of, like, knee socks that are in the same, like, striped colors as her as her top and some, like, blue sandals. Well, I guess they're not sandals. They're more like Mary Janes. Cute. And then Kiko ruins it. She looks like a Bratz doll. Yeah... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kiko is carrying her headband, and he puts it on her. And it is a blue headband with a gold heart that I think is actually really cute and makes her look a little bit more distinctive. Because I will remind you, she and Flora do have the exact same front of hair shape. It's a cute headband. It, it, I, don't, I don't like it. Because of how it makes it fucks with her hair. Because she has one straight set of bangs that's maybe a hand across. I don't um, like it. <laughs> so they hear the sound of a red fountain ship. So they step outside the gates to meet the boys. Thing is, only Timmy is in the ship because. <laughs> Uh, Riven, Sky, and Brandon are racing their hover bikes to Althea. Um, uh, two things. One, Musa, honest to God, uses the term faux-shiggity. It's not good. And two, sound the bad music alarm! Oh yeah, there's that little boy band excerpt here. It's awful. For the four kids dub. It's terrible. It's so and it, bad. It sounds like they actually got Dan Green to put his voice on that. And at the end of the episode in Four Kids, they have a music video of the exact same song. Hooray! I believe that's a thing that recurred throughout the Four Kids dub, but the new set of videos we found to actually watch season two includes the stuff like the last time on Winx Club, next time on Winx Club, the crystal ball video segment for four kids. I had to go to a completely different thing because that playlist was organized back to front and I watched like three minutes of the last quarter of the last episode of season two before I realized something was up. But yeah, in four kids, the, um, the boys are racing. 
and apparently Riven spent his summer at Hoverbite Camp. That's code for he went to jail. <laughs> he went to dumb bus jail. Go away, Riven. Uh, the party gets kicked off with a small speech from Farragonda about how they put in extensive rebuilding efforts over the term the term about how they put in extensive rebuilding efforts over the term break to recover from last season's finale. And she mentions specifically that it wouldn't have been possible without Bloom. Um, in Four Kids, uh, the wing is dedicated to Bloom, and I'm like, oh, it's the Bloom Memorial Wing? Uh, the Bloom Peters Memorial Scholarship Wing, but no. <laughs> Like- the Bloom Peters Pediatric Oncology Lab. <laughs> the Bloom Peters Barbecue and Foot Massage Wing. <laughs> uh, she calls for Bloom to join her, and the other girls go tell her to go share the spotlight. Bloom knows that the other winks are just as responsible for their victory as she is, so she decides to bring them up on stage with her. Farragonda declares that Althea is open for the new term, we cut a ribbon, and the cover on the tower damaged last season dissolves into golden beds, revealing the Bloom Peters Memorial Gift Shop and Golf Course, and fireworks explode over the school in celebration. The Bloom Peters Soda Fountain and Tackle Shop. (laughs) The Bloom Peters Hot Dog and Caviar Stand. Mm. Uh, I think we have a name of the episode. Maybe. So back in the Underdark, which I do believe it will officially be called that because this is apparently a Dungeons and Dragons setting. Uh... Uh, Darkar is interrogating the Pixies. Uh, specifically, he interrogates Lockett and Digit about the location of the Pixie Village. Of course, they're not talking, so he drains their powers and makes them collapse. Hey, Brendan, I have a question. Yeah. Is this a Smurf situation? Is he Gargamel? Maybe? I can't remember what Gargamel's goal is other than get the Smurfs. See, I have it in my mind that he wants to eat them, but I don't think that's right. If you remember the plot of the Smurfs, comment below. So, uh, after Lockett and Digit pass out, he moves on to the other Pixies and tells them that he's going to go through all of them Until they tell him the location of the Pixie Village so he can get his hands on something called the Codex. He pulls Chatta up for interrogation and gives her the very stern ultimatum of speak or suffer. I did look it up. Gargamel wants to turn the Smurfs into gold. Because that's just a thing that you can do with Smurfs, I guess. Uh, apparently Gargamel's Rumpelstiltskin spin those Smurfs into gold. He puts them all in a centrifuge. <laughs> oh no! Oh no, not Brainy um, Smurf. The scene of real menace immediately smash cuts to the opposite mood with Sky and Bloom talking. Um, 
in Sinaloom. She's a bit cagey about her adventures in the archives, uh, specifically because she promised she wouldn't tell anyone. Uh, in Four Kids, uh, Bloom read an article in a gossip rag that Sky was seen canoodling with Diaspro. Because, you know, we... <laughs> we don't treat Diaspro badly enough. Now we have to give a jealousy arc. Uh, Sky says that there was one canoe trip, but no canoodling, and I like that. Back in Sinaloom, Sky uh, teases Bloom by asking if he's just anyone to her. She laughs it off before telling him that she has a feeling that this will be the year that she finds out about her birth parents. Spoiler. This is not the year she finds out about her birth parents. No, she that has to wait the for the movie. And the other winks and the specialists are sitting nearby, listening to Stella tell a story about once upon a time someone wore an ugly outfit. Techna and Timmy wander back in with the excuse that she was teaching him how to program a simulator. Brandon lets the girls know that it's getting late and they need to get back to Red Fountain. The girls see them off, and Flora gets a weird vibe from the forest. Bloom walks to the edge of the woods in time to see what Flora sensed, a haggard, torn-up Aisha stumbling from the woods, who stands there shaking and very teary-eyed. It almost looks like she needs to pee mm -hmm. before collapsing in front of the winks. Instead of getting the school nurse... Tecna uses her ladybug diagnostics drone to run a quick medical scan. And thankfully, she's unharmed, but suffering severe exhaustion. Um, in four kids, the answer of, is she okay, is replied to with, she's a princess from the realm of the tides. Thanks. Th thank you, Tecna. As Bloom tries to wake her up, Piff comes tumbling out of Aisha's hood, and the girls are left wondering who she is, how she got there, and most importantly, what happened to her. In four kids, Bloom's prophecy is coming true. The psychic said I would meet a fairy with long flowing hair and a tiny sleepy baby pixie. Oh my god, it's like she read the script. So... Do you have any highlights for this episode? Um, okay. Highlights. A very good villain intro. He is an actual threat and looks really cool. If you're gonna introduce tiny pixie characters, I guess this is the best way to go about it. And Aisha friggin' rules. I, I agree on all fronts. Um... The introduction of a new character was strong. I kind of like this Sinaloom cold open because it keeps you on your toes. Or not cold open, but uh, the way that, like, you know. Not even acknowledging the rest of the universe right now. Right. We immediately start in on this new uh, new character doing uh, stuff that we don't fully understand. I feel that is in just jarring enough to be interesting. Without being um, alienating, right? Oh, and the uh, new and and from what we saw, that the new civilian outfits are nice. Um, I can tell you now that Stella is not keeping that as her civilian outfit, nor is Tecna or Musa. Oh, thank They're, Christ! Yeah, they they get a uh, much better uh, 
standard outfits that they'll be wearing for the rest of the season. Um, or maybe they do. I think this might be kind of the point where we start seeing them wear, excuse me, where we start seeing them wear more than one costume when they're not transformed because the show has more budget now. Oh, good. So it's not a Power Rangers Megaforce situation where, oh, it's winter. Time to put on a scarf and hat over top of my friggin' shorts. Uh, that is the end of our episode, which is this this recording has gone so much shorter than it has gone for the last couple of months. It, it's I don't know what to do with myself, honestly. Um, We're at an hour. Instead of like almost two for fate. So, uh, if you like what you heard today, you can follow the show on Twitter at MagicWinksPod. You can follow me, Brendan, personally at Sonata Waves, S-O-N-A-T-A-W-A-V as in victory, E-S. You can email us at MagicWinksClubhouse at gmail.com. That is the name of this podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me, Tess, on Twitter at Pocky Slice. That is Pocky, like the delicious Japanese snack. Slice as in, um, adding a sixth slice of pie to our Winx Club cake? I don't know. With that being said, join us next time. For season two, episode two, up to their old tricks. I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, I've missed them. I've missed them so much over these past few months. Until next time, meeting adjourned. Oh. Oh no. Oh no, she died. Oh, what happened? She's disconnected from the Discord call. Oh no, I have to vamp to fill up space.